0: Hello and welcome to the Library Marketing for Library Marketers podcast. I'm your host, Katie Rothley, and I am a librarian, a fellow marketer, and a wearer of many hats just like you. In each episode of this podcast, we will have informal conversations with fellow library marketers and other marketing experts outside of the library field, along with social media experts on the topics of communications, public relations, outreach, digital and print assets, tools we use on a daily basis data analytics customer retention and more nothing is off topic whether you are a clerk assistant librarian or educator or a manager and a team of one or many join us as we share insightful encouragement and out-of-the-box thinking news success lessons learned secrets strategies and our favorite sources of inspiration not to mention loss of laughter You've probably noticed i publish only maybe once a month i thank you so much for your patience and understanding i don't know about you but working full-time and then part-time as a substitute librarian and also having a passion project like this is sometimes a lot but i hope you continue to return with each episode i share and i'm really excited to keep working at this. And thank you so much to the growing roster of professional guests who have taken the time out of their busy schedules to volunteer their expertise and knowledge. Now I want to welcome you to contact me if you have any feedback, suggestions, questions or anything at all you'd like us to explore in the podcast in, at a future date. You can email me at ROTS and Tom H. L as in Larry, E as an elephant, Y, K is in kite at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you. All right, let's talk marketing. Well, Amazing. thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, it's really nice to meet yeah. you. Yeah, I'm really excited to be hosting you. So um, I'm really grateful and appreciative that you could take the time out of your day. I'm sure you're super busy. Oh, I love
1: doing stuff like this. Um, it's a really fun I love doing podcasts and, um, we're really encouraged to participate, give back, get mentored, give mentorship. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to do it.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. I love that so much. Um, and I'm also really new to podcasting, so I'm sure I make mistakes left and right, but, um, I wanted to start this to kind of help out my colleagues that are doing marketing for libraries and communications and, uh learn myself and then share what i'm learning so um thank you
1: i feel you my um my boyfriend is works in construction modeling and he's recently started a a really fledgling little you know podcast where he's started by interviewing other people at like other departments at his company and you know kind of just getting the feel for how to be a podcast host and stuff so i feel yeah it's fun
0: well good for him I, I like go-getters <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah. for my That's listeners would you mind introducing yourself and talk a little bit about your background and what you do?
1: yeah sure um, my name is Sarah toll and I am a multidisciplinary creative I'm an artist uh, some of my my playground for my marketing techniques including a lot of work with ads, and social media is actually through my my music and my music business. But the stuff that I know about SEO, um, digital publishing, a little bit of media tech, um, that stuff comes from my work at Black and White Zebra, which is a Canadian-based media tech company. Uh, we've been around for about, well, you could say 11 years, but it's really been the past four years where the founder um, really hit hit their stride and figured out how to monetize an independent website. And from there, we've grown a lot. We are, I think the 30th fastest growing company in Canada. And uh, we're now a team of really fun entrepreneurial folks all around the globe who specialize in media sales, a little bit of tech, UX design and content production, which is where I'm in the content bucket.
0: Yeah, I think um learning more about content production would be super helpful, especially for a lot of librarians who find themselves in marketing roles and don't have a background in marketing in general, and also don't really have graphic design or um copywriting or anything like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I feel it. Well, now they say you know it's, everybody's a marketer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: And there's so many cases where there's a, a consumer goods brand that is now expected to behave like a media channel. You know, you sell shoes, great, but you have to have a show about shoes in order to sell shoes now.
0: <laughs> I've been reading a lot in um, general marketing books about the overabundance of information and vying for people's attention, which I think... Um, for businesses because they usually have capital and they can invest it in having a a large marketing department and then buy ads and and do video and radio uh, promotion and all of that. So different from local libraries that are usually a part of a municipality. Um, They have millages and some are limited with their budgets. And so a lot of it doesn't really go at all into marketing. But if they're lucky, then they they do have budgets that they can allot a certain amount of it to marketing, which is great. Some of them have departments, but um it seems like a lot of us kind of fall into the role.
1: (laughs) Totally. To be in the
0: marketing side of
1: being working at a library. Yeah. Where do you think a lot of people come from?
0: Oh man. Um, the library field is so diverse. Like I when I went to school, there were uh, former lawyers, um, former teachers. My background is in art. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of people that decide maybe their first career or second career or third career is in libraries. Wow. That's cool. Diverse bunch.
1: Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What do you think is usually the goal for library marketing?
0: I would say um, the top goal would be to increase awareness of the library itself and then to educate about what's available as far as resources and the collections. Um, I've worked at four different libraries now, and the the specific service areas or the communities that we serve, there are still people who don't even know what the library does. Um, And they have this traditional view of what the library is. And I think that's our main obstacle.
1: Interesting. I know from personal experience, the Vancouver Public Library has a highly underrated musical instrument lending program. You can get the most amazing stuff for free. It's just amazing. you get you get like expensive instruments for free. And very few people know about it. I wouldn't have known except that the instruments are physically displayed in the lobby. You know, So there's that. like I mean the, using the physical space is, yeah, a big deal with library marketing. It, I think it goes somewhat beyond the scope of just digital um, content and it expands into that, like how you use the physical space to create awareness for the programs that you're running. Um, for For creating that, the awareness of your programs and getting more people to recognize the library for what it does, do you think library marketers struggle to show clear results. I think this is really common in marketing that's like how do I actually count if I if I did it like if it was successful?
0: Yeah I will I'm I'm kind of speaking for everybody here, which is um, so I'm I'm kind of generalizing, but based off my own experience and I know that there are marketing departments out there in libraries who, you know, they've got great experience and they're super successful. But um, I I think, and I could be wrong, <laughs> that a lot of us um, kind of have this, uh, and it's, and, you know, it's not, we have good intentions. Um, we will do like a social media post or a flyer and it has the basic info um it doesn't necessarily have it doesn't really tell a story for the most part it doesn't really focus on um the value or the stakes if you don't use it or participate uh, so i th- i think it's like the if you build it they will come kind of um method but but we don't know how to not do that so the like I've I've been trying to read more about marketing storytelling and uh Donald Miller's story brand book That's a good yeah one. it has been helpful but um uh, but like for everybody else I don't know if they have time to explore marketing concepts like that that could really help
1: interesting lack of time right that's always a major blocker for for any good marketing campaign because creative stuff takes always takes more time than you want it
0: to <laughs> mm-hmm. so do you have any like tips or or strategies to ch- to share for uh librarians or library staff in general for creating content yeah definitely um,
1: one tip I would start with is, uh, setting a goal, which sounds really cliche, but I think that by clarifying your goal, you just set up more realistic expectations for yourself and for the achievement of what you're going to do. I find when I neglect my goal setting, which happens quite a lot, um, I tend to over make content or I make like this of stuff where only really half of it serves the goal. Um, so setting a goal is nice um, and prioritizing which of the 15 goals you have is really going to be the most impactful. Um, yeah. With any creative project, anything that takes time, it's always how long is a piece of strength? Who knows? Right. So I think that by limiting yourself and setting some constraints that can help channel your efforts and clarify the work um if there as an example if you have um i don't know what's an example of like a program that you, a library would want to promote
0: we have esl conversation groups we often have authors come in and talk about their books that they've written
1: sweet we have story times so for the esl conversation groups when let's Let's pretend like you have sat down with your library um, people, your leadership, and you're like, that program needs the biggest boost. It's gonna make the biggest difference. Whatever you can do marketing wise, like that's the biggest one. And you're like, okay, fine. Then I would start breaking down a goal for that, which would be probably to get more students enrolled in the program, unless you need more teachers, but assuming more students, Um, you'd start to think, all right, how will I, I know that I've done that successfully? It's like, well, we have 20 students now and we want to have 80, but no more than 80 because we can't fit more than 80. So you try to figure out that realistic you know goal. And um, then once you figure that out, start talking to some of the students that you have, asking them why it was that they signed up. And I think that um, this step is really critical um it's building your core story and it's easy to neglect it because it can feel like kind of uncomfortable or or kind of vague i know that when i started building my core story for marketing my art uh i just felt like who's going to listen to this but as you elaborate with your participants in the esl program why they joined where were they before they joined where are they now what has changed what hero's journey have they overcome what can they now do in their life that they couldn't before and starting to get those stories um, then you'll have a better idea of how you can attract that same type of person by finding the people who are also at you know talking telling that story of where someone's at that would make them want to join the program In addition, I think think like talking to your existing people is really good because your existing people might also be more willing to, you know, if you interview them and highlight them in that photo, they might share that with their friends on social media. So it's like, use what you've got, like use your real stories that are already occurring rather than trying to kind of make up a persona, just find your existing persona, (laughs) go with that.
0: Would you say it's better to interview them in person rather than to offer a survey for them to take and get feedback that way or unveil a story that way? Yeah, I think they're
1: both good. I think that the in the, the written survey is great, especially if you want to recycle that as a an article because people mm. are typing your article for you. So that can be really useful way to get feedback Um, it's written is also a great way to get quantitative things. If you need a rating or showing a percent change, like that can be useful, but I think for building the core story, I think, and even a 15 minute chat can, can do it um, over zoom or in person, just because you, you start to feel more about that core emotional reasoning that someone is using when they make a decision to participate in a program. Or to recommend a program. You don't need to do mm. a lot of them either. I find I usually like start to grasp things after like the third interview. It's usually not too crazy.
0: You see a trend when you do that? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's funny, people often think more alike than we like to pretend. <laughs> you know, that a lot of times fundamentally people. Want this? wanted the same thing or they felt the same way even though they might express it differently
0: that seems really profound
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i think yeah i think when you know in marketing sometimes we get all complicated we design this like wacky persona it's like i'm marketing to Nancy, she's a middle-aged mother of three who cares about her children's health and all this stuff. And it's this fake person. It's like, nah, real people are easier to understand and they're more willing to talk to you than a fake persona. <laughs> they are, yeah, they're they're usually more on the same page than you'd think. Most people want to be connected, want to feel happy, want to feel that they have a sense of belonging and, and mastery and control over their life you just need to find the ways that they're saying it
0: well so you mentioned a uh, persona I mean I know what that means but would you mind explaining what that is and talking a little bit more about that
1: yeah the persona is a lot of people in marketing use that to define aspects of the the user or the audience that they're going to target. And so um, it was common practice for a while to make up the persona and you just sort of start imagining it. Like it's, you know, it's Sam and he's a sport loving person with a dog. Like this person doesn't exist. You make it up. You make up all these demographic stats and say like, this is the target uh, persona. You build this out. It's very, very common in marketing to start with a persona. (laughs) I find it, I don't know. I just find it weird. (laughs) I like to just start with like a real person
0: <laughs> as an example. Yes. Well it's almost like making a lot of assumptions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. it's like, is this real? I don't know. <laughs> so how do you get all the all of the the data for making a real persona or profile?
1: How do I get all the data? I don't know. We don't use too much data you mean like when you interview a real person yes i we don't write down too too much um i don't think it you know i think that what someone needs is a little bit more important than their um easily definable demographical things like mm-hmm. exactly where they live or their gender or age
0: mm-hmm.
1: um maybe, maybe to an extent of course if you have a program for mothers or for toddlers or something like that (laughs) that's demographically targeted. Um, But I think that it really just comes down to understanding where was this person at? Why did they make the decision to join? And what what are they now able to do because they joined the program? Really just those three things. And those could apply to any person at any age. So it's just simpler that way. And being too specific about the exact uh, demographics for your persona. Someone would probably bite me on this though.
0: Well, that's okay. I'm interviewing you. So (laughs) I want to know what you think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, that makes me think about like sometimes, and I don't, this is probably true in other professions, but, uh, librarians and libraries have shop talk and we have unique perspectives and and over time they get really developed and and possibly that's a good thing and also I think it's a bad thing um so then like I I might get set and focused into something and then I think the work kind of becomes more of the same, if that makes Mm. any sense. Yeah, I do the same thing
1: without thinking.
0: (laughs) Yes, and it doesn't occur to me to talk to the people and um, get out there and ask people if they're willing to provide some experiential feedback. Yeah, it's it's the
1: simplest stuff that we it just goes right over our heads, right? And especially now I feel like there's just a general cultural tendency to avoid that, that level of interaction with people, the the show up with a stranger, shake the hand, have the meal kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just the simplest thing is works the best. <laughs> yeah. I think,
0: I think one of the things that that we kind of have in mind all of the time is protecting privacy. And so yeah. sometimes that that becomes an obstacle for us uh, when we want to improve our communications.
1: Yeah, that's a tricky one. I know that my partner in construction faces the same obstacle, that they can barely market anything because everything's under an NDA, you know? And that's a major obstacle considering that the, the type of corporate um, kind of generic marketing that was in style over the past decade or two is kind of becoming less and less trusted. And people are preferring mm-hmm. more personal marketing that they feel wasn't created by AI, wasn't you know auto-generated, or yeah, it's hyper-corporate. And so, I mean, that comes down to a more like systemic approach of what does privacy protection mean? I mean, don't sell your email list, obviously. You can't sell your list of people on the library account to like some private interest. Um, but I think, yeah, to, to be able to successfully tell stories that resonate, especially on a social medium, um, yeah, you kind of need people that are willing to put their face behind it <laughs> that's a challenge how are you getting over that challenge now
0: uh well so at my library we have a, a policy posted um we also have like an overabundance of signs everywhere and flyers so um it's kind of like being you know bopped in the head multiple times by billboards almost. You know, there's so much going on that you kind of stop looking. Um, I might be exaggerating a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we do have a policy posted by our our meeting room event space. And it says that attendance at library events constitutes um, agreement to have your photo taken by staff and that if you do not want to have your photo taken or do not want to be included in a photo, you must inform staff. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also think that's tricky too, because there are so many different situations out there. Um, They might not notice you taking the image. Uh, it's, It's even harder with youth events, youth and teen, because um, privately, you know, our residents could be going through like a custody battle and they don't want their children to be posted on social media could be like a domestic violence or um, any other kind of legal issue. I I've only recently encountered that by approaching the adult and asking to take a candid photo of a family in the library, just using the library. Some people say yes. And other people say they're not comfortable with it due to personal reasons. Interesting. Yes. It makes Yeah. That's, that's a hard one. It made me think of
1: two things. Number one, have you ever used av- like avatar, like a fake person? Like you tell the real story with the real quotes, but it's like a fake picture and a fake name. Oh, no I haven't. This I don't know if I should recommend this, but there are websites mm-hmm. where you can type in like generate a face and it generates a fake face. It's like just a combination of people's faces. It's, it's so bad, but it's an option as well. Like if, if someone's like I don't maybe it makes it your conversation easier up front if you're like we can completely anonymize this. Like it'll look like it's not you. Um, in, in this picture with this interview. So th- that's an option. Another thing that made me think of is maybe you want to go deep as opposed to going broad because it's hard to find those people who are super cool with the sharing. Some people are super cool with it and they will like hyper spread anything you make. So maybe you just have to find your one champion and go deep with it where it's just like, all right, are you willing to sit down for 10 minutes and I'll just have my friend like quickly like film your answers to, the, to these questions about how it benefited you. And then you use that 10 minute interview to make like 10 different social clips that you could use or, and recycle those into like 15 different quote extracts. You know, it's like you're hyper recycling the content that you have because it's so hard to come by people who are, are the privacy, um, privacy worry free, you know, folks
0: oh yeah so what would you recommend is is would this be like an effort that should require its own like marketing campaign like we're looking for people to share their experience of the library or is that something where we just approach people until we find our champion oh good question feel like the easiest way which is usually what i choose
1: is to just start approaching people and see who says yes and you're like that's the campaign we're doing you know Mm -hmm. because that's what it comes down to with content you're always like these are all great ideas but which can we actually make Mm -hmm. (laughs) so sometimes you want to start with the people um and work from there yeah another thing you could do is developed um develop a series sometimes that it's easier to sell people on the concept of participating in a series if you give it a nice name so i'm sure you've probably done this at some point or something where it's like we're doing a a learning uh celebration series we're picking 10 people to participate in in this multimedia thing and that can feel nice because it has a, you know, a finite beginning end and you can recycle the same approach and format for your next series that you do, which can make it a little easier on the production side. Reuse a lot of your templates and forms and stuff.
0: I think the, the one thing that I've done, uh, that's remotely similar to that is that every year we, we recognize and we run summer reading programs, Sweet. and I asked the local chamber of commerce if they could put out a message to all of the business owners to send an image and uh, of them with their favorite book or whatever book they're reading at the time, and to provide a quote about reading or libraries in general. And so that was a series for me. Sweet. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, the level of participation was surprising to me. I didn't know what to expect at all. So I didn't have like high expectations, but I was blown away by the number of responses I did get. It was it was great. That's awesome. Yeah, you must have locked it in. Like
1: if the ask is small enough, you know, people feel successful that they've completed it, sent it in, done here then you're in a good place.
0: (laughs) Oh, I like that. Uh, Make sure your your ask is small enough so it's not overwhelming or too time-consuming. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, especially with the whole form thing. Sometimes if you, you know, if your survey is, you know, can I have two minutes of your time? No, no, you cannot. (laughs) But if there's like one question and it's like, just reply yes or no (laughs) to this question, then- Sometimes have better results, <laughs> or how so you then, did it. with just one quote.
0: <laughs> can I can I ask you a little bit about that? Because um, at a few of the libraries I've worked at, we've had program evaluation surveys. It's kind of like feedback uh, questionnaires. And so you know, after they've attended an event, um, some it's voluntary. Uh, so they can choose to not fill it out if they don't want to, but we ask things about like how did you hear about this event? What did you think of the presentation? What what do you think we can do better? What would you like to see in the future? Um, there's way there's more questions than that. It usually has maybe like eight to ten. Oh, do people fill it out?
1: Some do. Yeah. Sweet. That's probably fine. <laughs> you know, if it works, it works. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you put questions in forms and then after you receive the answers, you realize I'm not going to do anything with that information. In that case, maybe you could take out a question. <laughs> if you actually do stuff with all the with all the answers, I think keep it. We've been, we've definitely fallen prey to that every once in a while. We design something here. It's like, wait, why are you asking that question?
0: I don't know. Just thought it'd be interesting.
1: Yeah. You can take it out.
0: <laughs> that goes back to what you said, establishing a goal at the beginning.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: usually it's, it's
1: simpler. I feel like it's often
0: simpler than anything. We make it all like complicated and stuff. It's just like, I just pick up the phone, you know? We do that too. We make things complicated as well. Yeah, it's it's just, we love to do that. I don't know why we do that. It must be human yeah. human instinct. I think it is. <laughs> is it- yeah, I don't-, I don't. So I'm going to confess something. I, I mean, I, I try to do like an editorial calendar each month. Uh, if I have time, I've been incredibly busy the last couple months, but uh, yeah, I try to do that, but I have, I do not set goals. So I'm going to try and start doing that. <laughs> yeah. Try some
1: goals. Just do one small thing, right? Just work on that. Whoa, whoa. Um, yeah, set a goal. I think it's kind of nice because it's such a reality check. Sometimes you're going, I have too much stuff to do. I have too much stuff to do. And then you're like, what's my goal? You think, like, oh, my goal is actually to get like fi- 15 more people in this program or to get this much participation. Or... Yeah. And you think, oh, maybe I should just work on that directly and not do these other things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I mean, there's always the push. Like I acknowledge there's always the push to just do everything all at once. Right. That's constant in content and marketing is like, do all the goals all the time.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, you know, making all the social media posts, putting all the events into Facebook, making sure you have, a few days worth of social media posts scheduled and, you know, on top of all the flyers you have to do and displays and, and then um, event calendars and uh, the newsletters. It's a lot. Is that all your stuff? Oh yeah. Oh, I do more than that, but yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. How do you stay organized I don't. <laughs> Grace. <laughs> I, so I was like keeping track of everything in like a little notepad. And then I kind of stopped doing that. And then I was keeping track of everything in like an academic planner. And then I stopped doing that. I feel like there's a holy grail out there and I just haven't found it yet. It's nice.
1: Do you tend to use, um like, a computer at a physical, like, station at work?
0: Yeah, hmm. so a lot of us, um, the full-time staff, all have uh, desks and computers. Um, some of the part-time staff have to uh, share. And, and then we have our public service desks, which are out on the public floor. So I guess you could nab one of those. If there's ever a
1: need, interesting. Do you use? Um, are you confined by the library to using a certain calendar or certain software and stuff like that? Regar- I mean, regardless of price, pretend it's all free.
0: So, um, you mean for like asset management or yeah, scheduling like planning, posts?
1: scheduling calendars? We
0: don't, we don't have anything. We don't have. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the. I think of like planally and Asana, but um, no, we don't, there's no like requirement. We don't, we don't use that. I don't know what other libraries use if they use anything at all, but oh. um, Facebook oh. is, is helpful because it does obviously meta pur- purchase Instagram. So, so for me, like scheduling posts to go out on Facebook and Instagram is nice. We had Hootsuite, but then they changed their plan of service. And so um, it became too, it's too expensive. So um, I just use it to schedule Twitter and, and then like TikTok, I just do it right there in the app.
1: Nice. Yeah. Sometimes with a, especially if you're editing the video in the social media, you're like, I'll just do it on the day of. I started doing that as well. So I was like, oh, I'm spending too much time editing these in advance and then just saving them. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah, I
0: have if you if you have any recommendations for a good um management system to 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 use, I am totally open to that. Nice. Try it out.
1: I mean, I'm always a fan of the simplest thing ever. Very I'm an ops person at my Mm -hmm. heart in a way. So I tend to default to the thing that is the least structurally complicated and keeps the most things in the most singular place. So I'm kind of tool agnostic, although I've used many, I probably my favorite tool, to be honest, it's attached to your Gmail. It's Google calendar. (laughs) I time block my time in Google calendar, even tasks. And if I know what's a task I have to to do every Monday, I always put it in and make it like a repeat thing. That's enormously helpful. And it it helps me not like, oh, it helps me stay productive and get everything done. I don't get everything done, but it helps me say no. It helps me set expectations. If I'm like, how much time do I realistically need to write a newsletter? I mean, it never takes me less than an hour. So an hour. And I put an hour in my calendar. That way, If someone's like, can you take this on? I'm like, yes. But the newsletter has to go. You know, so that can just help with boundaries and just a personal, like, you know, time management level, I find. But the tool that I've stuck with, because it's simple, and I've used them all, I've used Sana, I've used Notion, which is pretty good, but you have to pay quite a bit more to get Mm. the amount of file uploads that you need, like, you know, images and stuff. The one I think is cheapest and like simplest is Trello.
0: Trello, I know everybody
1: recommends Trello. I use it, um, it's cards, you know, and then you add like your title, your card, make it something you remember. You can add photos to it and text and describe it. The nice thing about that is that you could create cards that have, you know, a pre-filled structure that you always like using mm-hmm. and that you can just copy every single time um, that can kind of help keep you, you know, feeling a little more structured, especially when you want to just like fizzle out you know how it is. You just want to fizzle up. I know how it is. And that can kind of push you. Um, The way I do it is that I pay for the upgrade on Trello. It's $10 a month to be able to see your things displayed on a calendar. Mm. And that way you could create, um, wait, can I screen share?
0: Oh yeah, but I'm just going to be sharing the audio. (laughs) Okay. I'll, I'll describe it.
1: It's like there's little tags you can tag onto everything. And so I create a tag, like, is this a YouTube short? Is this an Instagram reel? It's usually both. It's Mm -hmm. also a TikTok video, so I tag it as that as well. And um, maybe it's also a blog post because the caption is big enough that it can, I can just easily throw it on the blog and it's also a blog post. So I tag it as a blog post. And that makes it so visible to you, like how much recycling you can do. And that's what I like about the, just tagging things with the, the format or the channel that you're using. Cause then you can be like, this is where we saying? like, there's a bulletin, like a lot of the stuff that goes in the bulletin goes in the newsletter. So you kind of have like one place where you're assembling it and you don't have to like redo everything. So sometimes that can help.
0: Yes. Because I often find myself having to switch the format. So I end up doing more work often um the the other thing is like I and I'm revealing another thing about myself here personally and professionally I don't you know like having to set it up kind of you know puts me off of using a management system even though I know how beneficial it would be to do that but like it takes time to to set up and be organized.
1: Yep. (laughs) It does. It does.
0: When I first got into TikTok,
1: uh, my goal was to make videos. That was my goal. I was terrified. Like people aren't going to care about what I do. And that was my only goal. It was just like post content. I probably deleted everything I made in those days. It was terrible. But yeah, that was my only goal. And I think that with creative work, you need to acknowledge like the resistance is real. Like, you need a realistic system that embraces the fact that there's going to be a lot of resistance <laughs> to, to change and in, in like creating this evolution and pushing this boulder uphill. So, yeah, I think the only way that really you can be successful with building a new system is through micro increments. It's like this week, I'm simply going to install. Trello. Like I'm going to just create an account. And it's like, next week, I am going to think about my tags for 30 minutes. I will just think what are the 20 different types of content I make? I'm going to write them down, you know, next week. It's like, I'm going to start managing only my newsletters in Trello only. And you have to like migrate slowly otherwise it's too overwhelming to set up and it's just becomes cumbersome and then you don't use it because it's cumbersome
0: thank you for um explaining that and putting it into micro steps <laughs> <laughs> i
1: think it's the only way because like that's it's how it happens you know it's it doesn't just like become a thing you have to go through all this these steps anyway so it's got to be kind to ourselves and just, you know, bite off what we can chew and and call it a day when it's a day and come back to it later. Oh, I so agree with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's always a lot of pressure in marketing to do everything. So I feel like survival and thriving is all about making it manageable. So you don't feel like you're constantly drowning and you're making it clear, clear what you want to achieve so that it at the end of the year, you're like, no, I, I achieved these goals, you know? You don't feel like there's just constantly more work on your plate for this endless churn of stuff to make and do.
0: That's your, 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 I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. You've been there. I definitely have. (laughs) So I have a question about um you know when you've created your content do you do that all at once like multiple uh posts and then you like batch upload it into your management system and then you schedule it from there yep I do it like that
1: I, at work we do it like that and also my for my personal like art stuff I batch as well so you can kind of choose as long as you're out in front of it far enough, you can, it's nice because you actually get to pick what you feel like working on. You know, you're like, I'm going to need 12 quote gra- graphics. And you're like, I feel like doing quote graphics today. And then you can do all the quote graphics, which is kind of nice. And use your creative energy for like one thing and focus and then do a different thing the next day. I find it's more efficient. Plus it helps me manage my energy. I'm a person who I tend to be either on or off. And if I'm off, I'm off. Like I I'm truly off. Like my emotions are not set up correctly to achieve things. <laughs> so I like to batch because it gives me the freedom to like work when I'm on and um, yeah, have those things I've developed in, in a, Bulk batch, like kind of float me through when I'm not feeling on.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I, so I, I think I, you know, would aspire to that because I often find myself doing a single post um, each day instead of having a batch to choose from and then going from there. Yeah.
1: You feel so rich when you have a batch, trust me, it's worth it. It's so worth it. It's so nice to look at your, October and be like, Hmm, I don't have to think about making something new from scratch for two weeks because I have the next two weeks called up. but you'll have waves. You'll have waves where you just, there was a dry spell and you're like, all right, I have no content plans now. Like I used up all my content. Right. But I think that's normal, you know, and I spoke with a marketing agency about this where I was just like, what if I don't post anything? they are like, that's fine. You should take a break. Sometimes it's like, Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was easier. It's <laughs> so like a, a simple thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can just take a break.
0: <laughs> I actually had this, a similar conversation with my manager recently. I was looking at the, the data analytics on um, Facebook for Facebook and Instagram, and we have less traffic and engagement on the weekends so it was like so maybe I just don't post on the weekends I mean I can do that
1: yep yeah (laughs) do it I think that's great especially um with is it Instagram now I think that some TikTok wants a lot of videos all the time um but I think that the Instagram algorithm doesn't care that much. I've even heard that it's cool to do like two or three posts a week. It's more about like the quality of, of engagement. Like do people, whatever, share comments, like, do they flip through? If you have like a story, are they like flipping through it? Um, that matters more than um, doing something every single day. So I'm like, that's great. <laughs> I'll generally do like two or three um instagram facebook things which are the same for me i just they're, i posted both at once because they got married and then i'll usually throw up a little bit more on tiktok that's like the quick dirty content the behind the scenes stuff that that performs well on tiktok that's much more like un, unedited you know so it's easier to
0: make little tiny clips Pay more attention to that lately. Um, you know, just having like an ad for one of our databases, and I've been trying to to write copy that, uh, you know, tells a story in very short characters. I'm not always successful. Like it seems sometimes the test the test prep uh, databases do better, um, or the uh, homework help. You know, for tutoring, over Consumer Reports when I when I market Consumer Reports, um, but I've noticed lately that a lot of uh, memes <laughs> memes are are you know mostly popular, and then uh, posts with people in them in the library. Especially um, if it's like philanthropic in nature, or is a, like a youth program, or or something that people have like a personal interest in, and then there are more likes and more engagement with the post. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, it's so
1: cool that you have this insight because. Only you know what's resonating. You're on the ground, you're looking at the reactions and you're thinking like, why? Why is my meme stuff doing so well? Or like, why is this blurry picture of a kid doing so well? And it's like, hmm, well, it's working. I'm going to do more of that, you know? Probably because it's eliciting an emotion out of people, you know, like the entertainment factor or the that, that um, intrinsic need to... Like value signal and virtue signal and to show that like we are good people working on something good like people want to feel part of that so there those are probably good examples of where you're resonating emotionally with your audience you know just do more of that
0: well then i find myself like not wanting to post the other stuff or you know like racking my brain for how i can post other stuff but in that in that frame you know like that perspective (laughs)
1: yeah yeah right sometimes you go up against kind of a a wall and then you look at somebody else's feed, and you're like oh my gosh this is so simple like I put all my effort into this one photo and this huge caption and instead they did like three nearly identical photos but like broke the caption down into this like one two punch across this gallery and you're like oh I should have done that like sometimes it's just a matter of like how can I chop my existing stuff because the reality is look at your stats like what is it like 10 percent of your followers actually see your content it's so few so you, you can recycle the heck out of it you could just chippy choppy you know
0: and that never occurred to me either i'm like i it always you know i was always in this um mindset that everything had to be new <laughs>
1: <laughs> nope in fact with all the barrage of information that people see, I think people, this is my opinion, but I think I'm right. <laughs> like, people take comfort when they see somebody being consistent with a message. I'm seeing this a lot as I, I'm taking a course on marketing for music. And I have this same resistance where I'm like, people don't want to hear me tell my story over and over again like they've heard the inspirational story okay that's enough and they're like no people take comfort in hearing the same story over and over again they like knowing that they know the story and that they understand you and they like anticipate the ending it's like when you know a song you love listening to it because you know it and that was a game changer for me i was like oh yeah you could post every single monday like library love Monday saying like a reason why people love libraries that content could never get old
0: (laughs) I love that I'm gonna have to use it
1: (laughs) yeah do it do it do it like you could yeah you could recycle so much we overcomplicate we think everything has to be original but that's one reason why the, the the Trello situation or a board can be so helpful because it makes recycling um, structurally simple that you go, okay, I don't know what I can recycle, but like, let me just look at everything from September that I posted. And then you start flipping through your cards. You're like, oh yeah, like I posted this long video about our such and such thing. Maybe I could grab some of the caption from that. And make the caption into like quote graphics, stuff like that. Ooh, You're like, yeah, it's more you know it's visible instead of feeling like yeah when it when it's not in front of you, it's very hard to think how to recycle it.
0: Well, I also don't organize uh, the content I've created either, so a lot of it ends up in my downloads folder in the documents of my computer perfect that's my favorite place what (laughs) it's the
1: worst
0: (laughs) i'm scrolling through it trying to find the one post and then i can't find it
1: yeah honestly yeah that's even though i don't really use trello as a a real asset management thing you know like i don't really name my files it is useful because in my mind, I know, like, what was my my pumpkin patch post? Like, I just type in the word pumpkin patch, and I'm like, there it is. Okay, here's all my stuff that relates to the pumpkin patch. And it's quite nice for that reason, because I can't be bothered to name my image files and my video files. Nobody has time for that.
0: Fine, either. I feel like I'm revealing all the bad traits that I,
1: no, that I, think people, I have in this. People like to pretend that that their work is more glossy than it is It's like, come on, we're all just like typing stuff into a computer. Like, it's a mess.
0: (laughs) It is a mess. It is a total mess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But those are the things I think are really important to acknowledge, because you know how often it is like you've had this where you're at work, and there's some crazy problem. And it all comes down to like, the, the attached file wasn't openable on the recipient's computer. So there was this like crazy misunderstanding. You're like, oh, that was a really, that was a really simple cause of that problem. <laughs> yes. But you think like, oh yeah, how how much how much easier would your life be if you're like, oh man, I need a picture of like a family enjoying the library. And if you could just type in the word family, cause you're like, I'm pretty sure I have some photo related to my family family stuff could be way easier Uh,
0: yes yes it would well we only have four minutes left and um, my last question and I asked this to all of the people that I have on my podcast is uh, do you have a favorite book um, about marketing or communications or where do you get your inspiration from if it's not from a book Oh, that's such a
1: good question.
0: I do have a favorite book
1: and it is inspiring. I don't know if it's related to marketing, but I'm going to say it anyway. I love the artist's way book. Oh. It's kind of, what is it? It's a 12 step program. It's meant to be carried out over 12 weeks and it takes a commitment. You got to be willing to wake up every day and do some journaling, but life is changer like mm-hmm. life changer for anybody in a creative industry or you, you feel a lot of resistance or fear or just like a weird i don't know like just not motivated or not pro- productive uh, that book really helps you break free of a lot of the, the negative talk that you don't even know is happening in your brain and really gives you a sense of grounding uh, as a person who's creatively product productive. So I highly recommend that book.
0: I'm definitely going to check that out. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Check it out. Life changer. You might quit your job though. So,
0: Oh no, no. I love my job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. Then it'll help you.
0: Have you read the,
1: the art of fear? No, I need to. That sounds good.
0: So it's about artists. And how um, it can be overwhelming to even start your creative project. It's real. It's really good. I back when I when I did my undergrad, that was required reading. Oh,
1: I want to read it now. Why constant yeah. fear won't work and what to do about it or something. Oh, juicy. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: Love it. Well it's been such a pleasure talking with you and again thank you so much um, where are you online if you're active uh, if our listeners oh, yeah. want to connect with you
1: connect with me um, i guess you can learn more about what we do at work at www.bwz.com it's black and white zebra so bwz.com um People are always welcome to shoot me an email, Sarah with an H at Bwz.com. That's totally fine. Um, people can find me on most social media platforms under the handle Sarah Jane Toll. Uh, it's Sarah S A R A H Jane J A N E Toll T O L L E. And all every once in a while I'll talk about like creativity and work and marketing. Um but a lot of it's more through the lens of art, I guess, like artsy stuff. But still, still relevant, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah nothing can... wrong with that at all. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So yeah, feel free to connect. I'm happy to do it. If anybody wants that template I use on Trello, email me. I'll make a, I'll make like a a blank duplicate or something and send it. I don't know if that's possible, but I'll try.
0: <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, I would love to share that. You know, if you, if you end up doing it, I can, I think I could, if you have a, if you have a link, I could pro, I could put that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. I can probably create like a blank structure so people could copy it. I bet. But if not, that's totally okay too. I don't want to make extra work for you.
1: No, I don't think it'll be that hard. Plus I need to clean okay. up my template anyway. So it'd be a good excuse to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was a pleasure talking with you and I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. Yeah, you too. Have a fun week in the fall. Thank you. Have a good one. Yep, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope it was as helpful for you as it was for me. You can follow this podcast keep track of new episodes and find it primarily on RSS and Spotify, but also on some other major podcast platforms, too. Find me on Facebook at Library Marketing for Library Marketers. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or sending me feedback at rofflyk at gmail.com. Until next time.